We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined, as always, by Mario Puig here on this Thursday, this all-important Week 15, as we get into a lot of leagues starting their fantasy playoffs. Mario, before we get started, and, and we're into a full slate now, no more bye weeks to, to deal with anymore, how did your season-long teams end up? Um, I don't know. Not that good. I guess the Scott Fishbowl team did okay, but uh, otherwise I had a lot of like Calvin Ridley and uh, I don't remember what the stake league team was just Seahawks, I guess. So that didn't go well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's that, uh, it's, it's, it's that and the, uh, the, the, what the hell is it? The pentathlon thing where I had uh, AJ Brown and Calvin Ridley and James Robinson and oh. uh, the rookie quarterbacks. So uh, yeah, that, that was not as good for me. What about you? Yeah, I hear you there. Um, let's see. Vegas League and uh, Fishbowl, I think, were both pretty non-competitive. Um, I kind of shed them from my consciousness after about a month of the season. I think they had kind of similar cores to what you're talking about, you know, your, your Ridleys, your A.J. Browns, and so on. I came uh, within a point and a half of advancing in the NFFC. Oh, uh, so I'm I'm just a, a smidge furious and, you know, I've been uh, having some sleepless sleepless nights going over week five lineup decisions and, and so on. Um, but advanced in, in some bragging rights leagues, you know, my, my old fraternity league and, and my uncle's league. So um, at least I, I can still have those to, to hang my hat on as we get towards the end. And then I would say my my pentathlon effort overall. Not quite uh, what I wanted for, for myself and, and uh, co-owner uh, Chris Owen, but uh, we press on and we're playing out all 18 weeks and we're going for it. So we'll see how it goes from there. But why don't we kick things off, Mario, as we do every single week, start things off with the Thursday slate. We're also treated to a couple of Saturday games to supplement uh, your bowl game watching experience and then a loaded day on Sunday as well. Chiefs, Chargers, Chiefs. Three-point favorites on the road here as they go into Los Angeles. Are you surprised at all by that line? Is that a little bit too much credit for what the Chiefs did a week ago to the Raiders? Uh, it might be. I guess 
the other thing is though the Chargers have their own kind of concerns and the Kansas City defense is definitely a lot better than the last time these teams played obviously the Chargers won that one I I, I don't know for sure I, I think both of Chris Jones and Trevarius Ward might have been out for that game so that's arguably their top corner in Ward and Chris Jones is one of the best defenders in the league so uh that and uh they might have added former Charger Uh, Melvin Ingram since that game too I can't remember when that happened when they got him from the Steelers so that Chiefs defense is basically looking a lot better opening the year it looked pretty bad didn't really do anything well and now they're back to kind of what they were last year when they were still bad against the run but that's largely from their own kind of neglect toward it like they don't really care that much because they they care more about getting a tackle in the backfield uh, to create you know a, a long distance play so you have to throw the ball and open up to, to more pressure turnover attempts that kind of thing to get the ball back to Mahomes. so uh the other thing is the chargers i mean eckler it seems like he'll play i guess we don't know how close to 100 percent he is but the chargers are not really the, t- the type of offense to best threaten the kind of defense that the chiefs have turned into like you want to be able to run you want to make the chiefs pay for their decision to not really try to make a good run defense and you want to make chris jones less of a factor by you know, not giving him chances to to kill your quarterback, basically. So not to say that the Chargers don't have a chance. I mean, I I don't think the Chiefs offense is actually fixed at this point, but they do have Clyde Edwards to layer. I do think the Chargers run defense is bad enough that the Chiefs should be able to move the ball on offense, even if they're struggling to throw deep, which I think they probably will continue to struggle throwing deep. But the run game should should be able to do the lifting, especially if the, the Chiefs defense keeps playing like it has been lately. So does Darrell Williams enter your radar at all as like a flex option, given the fact that the Chargers are struggling so much against the run? I don't know. It's something to think about, but he doesn't really do that much as a ball carrier anyway. Like, I guess if he gets points on the ground, I would have to assume it was like a goal line carry. He could, I guess, get a long run, but probably not. I don't know if he has a 20 yard carry in his career so far. So the other thing is, it's like, I know people like people who just look at box score numbers, probably look at his numbers and think, oh man, he's such a good pass catcher. He is not such a good pass catcher. Like defenses in those early games when he had that eight catch for a hundred yard game or whatever, like they were not covering him. They just left him alone. They were basically putting, you know, three people on Tyreek and and Kelsey and saying, don't cover that guy. And for a lot of the game, Mahomes still wouldn't throw to him. And then that game was the first time they did Uh, last week. It was like a pick play that he ended up not being covered on the sideline. They could have ran that play with whatever their fullback. Uh, Anthony Sherman could have scored on that play. Uh, and a fullback is basically what Daryl Williams is. So I think that he would need to do it as a pass catcher more likely than as a runner. But maybe he's more likely to get work as a runner in this particular game with the Chargers being so much better against the pass than the run. Okay, so maybe like flex viable, but PPR only. Definitely like flex justifiable. I, I uh I wouldn't say it's like a great situation, but if you have to play it, it's, you know, there's probably somebody with something worse going on out there. And then on the other side with the chargers being back at full strength for the most part in the passing game is Jalen Guyton, someone that you, you got to move back to your bench. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, arguably, I don't think his role actually changed that much last week. It was Josh Palmer's role that changed. He basically plugged right in where Keenan Allen was and did a pretty good job in a good matchup there. So the, the going against the Chiefs is a different question, and they uh, having Ward back, I think that's that's not the greatest news for Mike Williams or Guyton. Like they'll both probably see a good amount of Ward, and 
uh, I assume Fenton or whoever, whoever the other, I don't remember who the other outside corner is, but uh, in any case, it's, it's mostly Palmer versus Allen. And with Allen being the only actual change there, I think it's Palmer who, who loses whatever he had more than Guyton. It's just Guyton was just always flash in the pan kind of role. He just, he needs that flash or nothing happens. Right. Exa- exactly. So but good point on, on his role from, from last weekend. And, you know, I think Guyton's someone that if I'm playing showdown tonight, uh, maybe I'm a little bit more inclined to use him, but, but probably not in a, in a, you know, an important playoff fantasy uh, season long type of matchup. Let's get on over to Saturday leading us off here. We got the Raiders traveling to Cleveland to face the Browns Raiders one point favorites in this one, despite being on the road. Uh, this is, you know, a pair of teams that I, I kind of just want nothing to do with it. In I'm a sorry, this is all over Baker Mayfield testing positive for COVID? This The swing of seven and a half points? It, it must be. I mean, that that is significant. Uh, obviously, the big news there. Is the whole um, offensive line out? Did, did, I miss a, did I miss a much bigger headline? I don't understand how that's like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, has a stronger arm than Case Keenum and he's probably better, but whatever degree he's better than case Keenum is not substantial in my opinion. Definitely not seven and a half points, maybe like three and a half, but even that I think is a bit generous to Mayfield, a little unfair to Keenum. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, we, we saw Keenum deliver a win for the, for these Browns when they were about as shorthanded, if not more so um, earlier in the season against the Broncos. So, I mean, he can play a competent brand of, of quarterback and, you know, Nick Chubb, hopefully trending back, closer to 100%. That should bode well, even if Kareem Hunt uh, isn't at 100% right now. So I think this sets up for a Browns win, but uh, you know, I, I don't think we're necessarily going to be treated to to the type of game that maybe we were expecting when we saw this game on the schedule in September. I guess we got to watch on the offensive line because Jedrick Wills and uh, the right guard Teller are both on the COVID list too. And then I guess we also got to see what the injury situation is for uh Joel Batonio, the left guard in the center, JC Treader. But man, even if all of those guys are out, I just have trouble understanding how the Raiders do anything in particular. Like the the Raiders are busted. Like they're not very good right now. Their pass rush will be there. The K- Casey Hayward's going to play good. That kind of stuff that they still have going for them. Nate Hopps is probably a really good corner. So the defense might be okay if they don't have to defend the run and if they don't have to defend deep down the field. But I don't know why the Browns wouldn't be able to tie this one up. Just kind of, uh, I guess I should see who all in their defense is uh, tested positive to. Uh, they, they got Miles Garrett. They got Ward. I guess we'll see on Newsom and his concussion. I, I I have no idea why the the Raiders would be favorites in this game. I don't I don't know why that would change so much for for Keenum and even if all of those linemen are out. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty wild swing there, of course. Um, so c- certainly. C- that's a game that you'll have to keep it, keep an eye on those inactives an hour and a half before kick. Let's get on over Patriots Colts. We have the Patriots two and a half point dogs on the road here going up against Indianapolis. What's going on here? Huh? Yeah. I, I think this is a tough one to think through because both of these teams can be so variable and, uh, unconventional with the ways that they are varied. So the, the Colts being kind of, um, you know, more zone oriented than most teams, they don't necessarily have uh, as predictable of like matchups and as predictable of player interactions uh, from week to week as some other teams. And the, the Patriots, of course, kind of mean to have that approach 
not so much the zone coverage, but just the the ability to do any given thing on any given play without giving it away before the snap, that kind of stuff. So it, it's really tough to take past outcomes and apply them to, you know, upcoming projected projected matchups. But I do think this is probably I, the bills would have been a tough matchup if they made Mac Jones throw more than three times, but this yeah. is probably otherwise that Buffalo game, basically a skip. This is probably the toughest matchup that Mac Jones has seen in something like two months uh, as far as games that he actually throws the ball in. So that that if that is true, that alone would kind of maybe be a bit of a wrench in in the you know the rhythm that the the Patriots had otherwise been building lately. Uh, their run defense is probably easier beaten than their pass defense. Maybe this offensive line, maybe Jonathan Taylor is uniquely threatening to the Patriots defense as a result. But if the Colts have to throw the ball much, then I I can't really see it going that well. For Carson Wentz, I mean, the way it would work is if the Patriots being as aggressive as they are, being press man coverage oriented as they are, maybe they put someone on single coverage against Pittman and and Wentz sees it and, you know, calls a hot route. And it's it doesn't even need to be a thing where he gets open. It's just because he's one on one and he's against a corner who's, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's Mills or even if it's J.C. Jackson, you're worried about it. But if it's a jump ball, you know, that's that's the one way you start worrying a little less about J.C. Jackson. Right, exactly. So, um, and and we've seen Indianapolis kind of go to that plenty this year. That's kind of been the the key to their downfield passing game is just kind of chucking it up to to Michael Pittman and hoping that he either comes down with it or draws an interference. Yeah, so that that could work here. And as much as I hate the way he was handling some some of his personnel, and and I guess I still kind of hate how he handles some of his personnel. <laughs> Frank Reich is definitely pretty good at coming up with game plans. Like maybe he's not quite in that Shanahan McVeigh kind of group, but he's closer to that group than, you know, whatever Mike McCarthy or some, some bum coach or whatever. (laughs) So Frank Reich might have some pretty good tricks. Like we would expect the Patriots to have their tricks, but uh, Reich might have more than, you know, we would normally assume like maybe he's a little closer to Belichick as far as that goes than we would normally guess. And then from, from the fantasy angle, obviously Damian Harris uh, a little bit dinged up. Right now, do you think that even if he's active, that that both Patriots uh, running backs are, are are players that you could feel comfortable starting this week? The other being Ramondre Stevenson, I assume. Correct. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It, it, it's like a better situation than uh, whatever. What was that? Oh, Daryl Williams example. Like it's definitely yeah. better than Daryl Williams, and thus I would consider it certainly justifiable flex start. And even if you got to play running back to Ramondre Stevenson, I you know wouldn't sweat that kind of deal too much with what he's shown and how they're going to keep being a run dependent team. You, you would think maybe it's a little easier to throw on the Colts than run on them. So maybe that gets them to, to throw a little more than usual, but if they don't, if they stick with, with the format that's actually gotten them these wins all year, there might be room for, for two running backs, depending on how much, you know, Brandon Bolden takes up. Okay. All right. So good notes there. Let's get on over to Sunday. We've got, Giants Cowboys leading us off Giants at home. They've not been good at home uh, that it looks like, you know, another Daniel Jones week. So hence the Cowboys giving 10 and a half or 11, depending on the sports book you're looking at on the road in the Meadowlands here. Um, so what what's going on with this one? How do you see this one shaking out? And apparently the, the Giants are entertaining a rotation of Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon uh, to just to spice it up, give you some variety. I mean, that that's the spice that I need. I, I need to see some Jake from 
uh, intermingled with, with a little Mike Glennon. You know, maybe you do the, the two quarterback. Look. Today we'll be serving a slow pocket passer two ways. Uh, lanky <laughs> giraffe guy and a pop gun arm Georgia oaf. Uh, we'll, I guess we'll see how that goes. Probably not that well. Uh, it's not cool. It's not great to see Barkley still showing up on the practice report with the, the ankle issue. Uh, looks like a Dory Jackson might be out again. Yeah, the Giants are a wreck. It's uh, it's not quite Urban Meyer and maybe not even Matt Rule bad over there, but it is kind of with, with Joe Judge and the Giants right now, their ownership, it is kind of like we're running the alternate reality hypothetical of what if they just didn't fire Urban Meyer? Like what if what if for some reason the ownership uh, was still completely hypnotized by this con man, Joe Judge. Uh, it seems like they're going to stick with him, you know, into next year even. Although I guess we'll, we'll see if they can really stick with that. In the meantime, I don't know why this team would show up for him. Uh, he's he's a big old baby. And uh, it's it, the, the, the sack of them just losing in all these embarrassing ways week to week and never blaming himself for any of it is just, uh, it's got to be a bit irritating, especially when uh, you got Dak Prescott on the other side. Yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. So that this one did, is really not setting up well for for uh, the Giants, and they, they weren't a, a good home team uh, to begin with. And I think that this is just going to be another Boober, uh, long, <laughs> another long Sunday there um, for the Giants. Here we we got another one: Texans Jags. Obviously, that uh, a classic matchup to to open the year, and now we got a, a classic matchup here to okay, treating us. Now the, the Jags will beat the Texans. My my survivor <laughs> pick in week one was yeah, a good idea, but this is a good idea. I mean, <laughs> so let's unpack the the urban story a, a little bit further. So th- this is something that w- when I was in the office, um, what last week we were hanging out talking to urban of course and, and you know that the, always the, do you, you had the sentiment that you know that this thing is going to be over sooner than later and uh right you were you know that the thing not that his seat wasn't hot at, at this time a week ago but then you see the the reports of you know him challenging the the coaching staff and everything like that coming coming out and things just started leaking from everywhere and then obviously the josh lambo stuff yesterday <laughs> and here we have it 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 you know i where at once, you know, Bobby Petrino is kind of the gold standard for failed head coaching hires. This is this is kind of a, a another level, which is it's hard to do. So it, where- this is like this is like if Bobby Petrino had his uh, crashed motorcycle mistress scandal while he was the coach of the Falcons and got fired over it instead of it instead of having those two separate hilarious storylines uh, like Petrino did. So yeah, Meyer. I don't even know what to say, man. It's 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 like every bad thing that there is, it's there. And uh, to boot, it's just like he has no accountability for himself. He just he just really believes it's like he just really believes this weird worldview. And it's the result, I guess, of like the way his father raised him, where it's just like you're supposed to abuse people underneath you, because if you got to a position of authority where you can abuse people, you got there because you endured your own version of abuse and, you know, became a winner in spite of it and like that's that's how power is doled out like you you survive your dad's abuse to become the next version of your dad and uh you know that's how greatness is instilled and sure. the higher you get in the authority order the less work you should have to do and and like the less because because like you earned it you get you get to coast by at that point so he at once like wanted to have everything be subject to his 
you know, decision making. And also he didn't want to do any work and he didn't want to own any of the decisions that he actually made. So you see him trying to say Bernie Parmalee, the running back coach, bench James Robinson when he did. And he tries to say, uh, oh, the, the other great one, the, just someone in the press should have called him out on the spot for this one. He was saying uh, the Marvin Jones story wasn't real. None of that stuff happened. But the person who leaked it is going to get fired. Like, what are they leaking? If it didn't happen, they didn't leak anything, Urban. That, like, you could say they made up a story, but that's not what a leak is. That's a separate thing. So he kind of gave away the lie, right, with that statement. And this has been going on the whole time, apparently. Uh, And as far as Josh Lambeau goes, apparently he kicked him when he was, like, just practicing (laughs) kicks. Uh, And, and, yeah, so Lambeau's swooping in, like, a a total hero. Arguably the most clutch a kick of all time with uh, <laughs> showing showing up with the just cause to to get Shad Khan to finally say like all right let's let's fire this bastard <laughs> let's get this money back kicking the kicker and the kicker's response uh, I just hope that somewhere out there there's like a, a you know sort of like a in Canton Hall of Fame bust of of Bobby Petrino with the neck brace on and, and that now <laughs> that bust uh, can be on Urban Meyer's mantle. Yeah, it could be a, a statue of Urban Meyer just like sitting sloppily in a bar chair. <laughs> that would also, yeah, that would be with like strobe could, lights above him. Whatever, whatever yeah, that scene was, I don't remember all the details of that. Any Photoshop wizards listening? Uh, a, a a rendering of that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, the statue, in, in we got to get the Petrino. The Petrino statue actually needs to happen. I, that's one of the best ideas anyone's ever had, John. Thank you. Thank you. So that feeling good about that one. That one felt felt good off the club. Um, yeah, I guess, is there anything fantasy wise here uh, but, that we need to touch on? I bet they'll, we... I bet they'll look better than they have all year. Yeah. Other than I guess, I mean, aside from the defense, Joe Collin, I don't know how, but for the better part of the last like two months, I guess he's had that defense playing pretty well and they do not have much talent at all. But uh, in this setting, I think you'll finally see, uh, at least a team that looked like it practiced this week, you know, like that was, that was another thing. Like if it weren't for all this other drama, we, we would have maybe had time to note that urban Meyer also just looked like a guy who didn't run practices. Like his team couldn't do stuff. It's just, they show up and you can see they, they can't actually play the game. So uh, they're probably going to still suck. Uh, they're probably not very good, but at least they will look like they practiced this week. Can you start James Robinson now that uh, the the doghouse yeah. is in no longer exists? Yeah, James Robinson, big game. There it is. Very good. Uh, before we get on to our next game, we got a message from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, next up, we got Titans-Steelers. Titans going into Pittsburgh as one-point favorites, two-point favorites in some spots. Um, how do we see the, the Titans going into, into the Pittsburgh? Obviously, a, a banged-up Pittsburgh team, particularly on, on defense. Offense really showed some life against Minnesota, but Minnesota just kind of tends to invite those types of games happening regardless of who they're playing. So I'm not sure how much stock I'm taking in that offensive output, especially in a dome, um, going into this game in Heinz Field in December. Yeah, the Vikings secondary is probably not very good. And I don't know how much to make of a game like that, too, when it was it felt like it was all in garbage time. I know it wasn't truly garbage time, but it was like a blowout at halftime. And then pretty much all the, the Roethlisberger stuff happened in the second half. So maybe he was kind of just lucky in the second half or it's somewhat lucky. Maybe it doesn't explain all of it, but enough that it doesn't mean anything really. So uh, with that said, I don't trust the Titans to do anything at all. They're, they're, they're pretty beat up themselves and they're just goofy. Like, I don't understand how, uh, I don't understand how they don't score more than 20 points last week. I don't understand, uh, you know, maybe Julio just really is shot. Maybe the, maybe the Falcons really did trade him right before he, he lost it. But yeah, we'll we'll see. He needs to step up in this game because if, if Julio can't have a good game here, I don't know why the Titans would win, especially. Like, I think uh, if, if you're not moving the ball with Julio, you're not moving the ball as a passing game if you're Tennessee. And if you can't threaten with the pass if you're Tennessee, I don't think Foreman's going to have enough room to to get you as far as you need to go to get into store, scoring range. So um, I, I, I guess I would sooner kind of expect the Steelers to win this at a glance, to be honest, just because I... I don't trust Tennessee's offense to be very good and their their defense it has a couple good players but I just I don't I don't know if it's enough to deal with each of the individual matchup problems that Pittsburgh can pose a defense. Right, yeah, no that that's going to be tricky and and you know the Titans have been getting by without the two kind of anchors of, of their offense uh for a while now and they they've mostly stayed afloat um obviously so, some fortuitous schedule stretches that have helped bring that along but you know, eventually, I think conventional wisdom was going to say that um, 
a Derrick Henry list, AJ Brown list Titans offense with, with a, you know, 60% of what we'd expect of Julio Jones out there being its lead guy. It, it can't really get it done to, to the extent that it would have otherwise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just Steelers have too many better players on offense right now. You know, it's like the Titans don't have one guy who would be one of the three best players, maybe even four best players on the Steelers from scrimmage. Uh, and that's obviously assuming Julio doesn't is either hurt or for some reason doesn't have much at this point. But uh, yeah, Steelers got all the skill. Uh, Steelers have so much more from scrimmage, I feel like, in this game. And I don't see reason to assume their defense will be clearly worse. Right. No, ex- exactly. So, yeah, the, the Wada injury, like that, it's only one guy. They, they can still generate a pass rush. And yeah, I, th- I think overall, you know, one to 22, as far as who, who's going to be starting on both sides, the, the Steelers probably have that decided edge like you said let's get on over probably one of the more popular survivor pick games for this week if you were able to uh resist using the cardinals to this point but the cardinals going into detroit to face the lions 12 point favorites on the road are the cardinals in this one obviously the big news coming across yesterday for fantasy purposes that deandre hopkins would miss the remainder of the regular season. So how does that elevate slash change uh, the, this group of Cardinals pass catchers? Is there any one guy who particularly benefits any one guy that, that might uh, suffer from this besides obviously Kyler Murray, but I, I don't really ding him too much, even with the Hopkins absence. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. If, I mean, I feel like it actually does hurt Kyler maybe quite a bit because they're going to have to subtract basically Hopkins for just Antoine Wesley, unless they start, finding a way to get Christian Kirk playing left receiver and and getting Rondell more and more slot reps as a result. It seems like they just got to put Wesley out there and I don't think that's a good situation to be in. I would have tried to avoid that outcome if I was Cliff Kingsbury, but uh, I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, Wesley, he, he can kind of be the same thing that AJ green, I guess is at this point where if he's in single coverage and he's on a corner who's smaller than him, maybe you can just kind of throw it up to him and he'll get it. But like, he's not running away from anybody. He's not getting open. So uh, Hopkins could beat anybody one-on-one if you left him one-on-one, like he he would beat them if you left them one-on-one. So this might make things a little harder for Kirk and green, maybe even more. Uh, Maybe in a guy like Kirk's case, maybe his opportunity level increases faster than the difficulty increases per target. I guess that's possible. I definitely like Kirk. I definitely like the way, he looks this year and I, I tend to think if he got more targets, he would do more with them, but they also might see different looks uh, than they, than they normally would with Hopkins at the left receiver spot. Yeah. So th- this game will be nice and informative as far as, you know, what can, what we can expect from that target rotation going forward. And they, they do kind of get to break it in, in, in a nice spot uh, with, with this g- game uh, being uh, against the lions. Oh yeah, sorry. They're I meant uh yeah, going forward they lose something without Hopkins. In this game, Antoine Wesley is just fine. Yeah, that's gonna work fine. <laughs> Antoine Wesley, a former Ravens practice squad great, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you can see it's also just Cliff being like, you know, Texas Tech guy. The he just needs like apparently six four wide receivers at the outside spots for the offense to work. And uh, Antoine Wesley in one game for one game, at least will be good enough. And, but yeah, to be serious going forward, uh, I think it has to be Kirk. And if Kirk can't do more, they might kind of just be in trouble. 
Yeah, that's it's going to be an issue. And then uh, on the Detroit side of things, anything to note as far as maybe getting some firepower back in in the backfield? And if not, you know, is it, is it a Craig Reynolds week? I guess I don't know what to make of the Craig Reynolds thing. That's 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 the first time that I'm actually kind of annoyed with Dan Campbell because it's like, why would if this guy is so good that you got to put him ahead of Iwubike uh, and Jamar Jefferson? Like, what was he doing all year beforehand? Like, you you really just got to practice this week and decided like, hey, this guy, he, I think he's all of a sudden better, and we really need to give him a shot. I and mean, or like, he practiced real hard. We got to give him a shot. I don't know which is more annoying to me. Um, but I guess to be fair, Reynolds did pretty well in that game. I just don't know what to take away in any final sense. And uh, he's not a very good athlete, so Reynolds is tough for me to take seriously as a prospect, or at least. I would assume Iguabuike and Jefferson are both better at anything that Reynolds is good at. So I don't know. I, I can't really take it seriously. I, I can't take it for granted that he'll play as much as last time even. Right. So uh, I don't know. That That's something that um, you can't really be chasing into this week. Um, I, I don't believe. Let's get on over to our next matchup. We got Jets, Dolphins. Dolphins playing well right now. They are nine and a half point favorites against those Jets, the Dolphins at home in this matchup. Um, but I believe I saw earlier today that Jalen Waddle was added to the COVID list. So how does yeah. that change things for you? Uh, a lot because Waddle's really good. And I think without him, well, Parker's still really good also, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm higher on Parker than most people are, just as I'm higher on Waddle than probably most people were. So I, I, I do think Parker can do his part, but... I don't know. It's it, that offensive line sucks. It's hard to trust much about it. It's like the way you kind of get over the the optics, the bad vibes of the the Miami offense is you just you know have Parker and Waddle out there and Gasicki too, I guess. And you think you know that's not so bad. You could do something with that group. But when you, when you take out one three one third of that, and arguably the best component of it, mm-hmm. just gets a lot more nerve wracking right away. So. Uh, if Waddle's not out there, I, I do worry about this offensive line, this poorly coordinated offense looking bad again. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a significant um, absence potentially here for, from Waddle. Um, does that raise a guy like Gasicki in, in your mind, though? Yeah, Gasicki and Parker both have to get pretty big target bumps if Waddle's out because Waddle is a target monster. So, I mean, I get if I have to call it for the Miami offense, I would say, both Kasiki and Parker, especially Parker, consistently get the better of the Jets' pass defense. So uh, those two should be fine. But if they combine for 180 yards, I, st- I still at that point start to worry about how Tua's going to find 50 more yards in that offense, you know? Right, exactly. So, oh, it, And sorry, uh, I know this is off topic, but I screwed up before. Chris Jones, the Waddle thing made me think of <laughs> Chris Jones is on the COVID list, too, for the game on Thursday. So that that's uh, that's a big loss for the Chiefs, and I'm not as confident in their defense without him. But anyway, yeah, right. Dolphins, Dolphins offense, if they fail against the Jets, it's, it's a bad look with or without Waddle. No, 100%. So that'll be tricky. And then... Uh, I don't I don't think that there's a, a ton to unpack for, from the Jets side of this. We do have a listener slash viewer question here I'd like to get to real quick pertaining to that Thursday night game. Our buddy Marco Valdez wants to know he has Eckler and Keenan Reynolds or uh, Keenan Allen. I'm sorry, uh, starting uh, this evening. Should he start Justin Herbert kind of do the, the full charger stack or would you use Aaron Rodgers? 
I would just go with Rodgers anyway. Like I think he's arguably as high up this week as pretty much any quarterback on the slate just because Baltimore's pass defense is all beat up. They uh, there's scarier at home, sure, but Rodgers with his full assortment of pass catchers and uh, going against the backup Ravens defense, like that's this should be a good game for Rodgers. He has no excuse for failing there. Uh, you forget the X factor. I'm going to be in attendance for that one. John might ruin uh, the game for Aaron Rodgers. How are you I'm gonna going to? I'm going to wish Chris Westry and to turn into old Chris McAllister. Oh, that would be substantial development for for the Ravens defense. Uh, but yeah, I think um, unless unless John's vibes can can bring Rodgers down, it should be another big game for him there. Uh, they, my vibes could also be canceled out. Uh, Rotowire soccer uh, editor or co-editor contributor Chris Owen will also be in attendance. He he brings good vibes for the Packers. So I mean, it's uh, you know it's a who's who as to whose vibes went out. But uh, uh, we'll get to I'd that. I'd say the the Packers with their personnel advantage. Uh, Chris has uh, a little more to work with than you do there. He he really does. It's good. It's going to be need to be a miracle there uh, for Baltimore even at home. Uh, before we get on to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. We also got a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The NFL season is heating up, and Yahoo is going big on daily fantasy football this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the year on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS, as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit offered to join any paid contest, including Yahoo's biggest contest, the weekly $1 million DFS NFL Baller Contest. The weekly $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and tons of overlay in prizes. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 offer to get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, Mario, onward. We're going football team, Eagles, Eagles, seven point favorites in this one. The football team, uh, I, I really believed in them last week in DFS and uh, things do not go particularly well for, for your pal in DFS. As a result, last week, a lot of injuries, a lot of just poor performance all around. So that did not shake out particularly well. And we see the Eagles checking in as touchdown favorites at home in this one. So what's the read here? 
Yeah, so I don't know how much of the pass blocking issues for Washington would be called, you know, the Washington Lions fault and how much would be credit to the Cowboys. But whichever way the answer goes, it still bodes poorly for this matchup because if it was because of the Washington offensive line is just that bad, then it's probably going to keep being just that bad. And if Dallas being good is the reason, well, the Eagles defensive line poses some of the similar troubles that the Dallas defensive line did. It's like Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence got something kind of like that with uh, assuming he's, I guess I got to check every single player's profile now to make sure they're not on the COVID list. But if Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham and uh, the other guy, Barnett are all healthy, then that's probably a lot for an offensive line like this and Fletcher Cox and Hargrave. If they're in there, that's a lot for an offensive line like this, an offensive line that just got eaten alive almost every play last week against Dallas. So if, if that's the Washington team that we're getting, and if it is that, if it is a defensive front four personnel, that's going to make them go just completely useless as a team, then they face that exact same risk here. And the Washington defense is playing better lately, I guess. Like all year, they've been pretty tough on running backs. And in the past month, I guess you're getting better results out of William Jackson and Kendall Fuller, the outside corners. But especially if they, I wish, I wish the Eagles would get Devontae Smith some more slot looks because I think they might want to attack the slot, the intermediate part of this defense, not so much the sideline downfield. Uh, that would, that would be a good way, I think, for them to generate some quick momentum and get a lead that they can kind of just choke out the rest of the way with their run game. The 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 Eagles run game personnel a little bit dinged up in its own right, though. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. We got Jalen Hurts in his own right, questionable dealing with that, that ankle. Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard um, both appearing on the injury report as well. Yeah, if Hurts is out again, that almost makes me wonder. And it makes me wonder if it was a high ankle sprain, because generally if you're out more than one, you're out four. Uh, generally, there are some exceptions. So if Hertz is out, though, I think that's fine. I mean, I think Minshew showed that he can drive the bus. I know it was a really easy matchup. He didn't have to do a whole lot except throw to a wide open Goddard. But I mean, if, if he's if he just keeps his composure about him and doesn't take any big risks resulting in turnovers, I think. The Eagles just have too much personnel advantage on offense. And if the if the Washington offense playing badly like it was last week, especially the offensive line, then the Eagles can kind of over the course of the game start to establish field position, time of possession advantage. And once it starts leaning that way, I think it'll eventually keep snowballing, you know, more and more against the favor of Washington. So um is Oh, Jordan Howard's limited. Okay. Yeah. Getting Jordan Howard, especially would be kind of nice here just to, to give them a hammer in the middle of the field, right? uh, to, which I think is where you want to get, get Washington, like creeping up a little bit and then throw something down the seam is, is how I would go at them. Okay. All right. I definitely see that. Uh, sorry, quick, uh, breaking news. looks like TJ Hawkinson underwent surgery on his thumb Thursday morning. So unrelated to this Mm. game, but notable nonetheless. Yeah, that's uh, I'd say the Lions offense is bad now in light of that. That that's the last straw. Um, before we get on to our next game, we got another viewer question here. This from our buddy Carlos. He wants to know pick three of this group. CeeDee Lamb, Chase Claypool, Kendrick Bourne or DK Metcalf. So who are you betting? Well, if assuming Lamb, Claypool and Metcalf all play, I'd go with those guys. I guess we got to watch Metcalf in practice with his the back and foot and 
previously the foot, now additionally a back issue, apparently. And the, the general disappearance down the stretch for it from him. Been- <laughs> yeah, oh. I would still go with him there if, if he is playing just because he is getting a lot of targets. And I mean, Cam Sims has had big NFL games, you know, it's like <laughs> like 70 percent Metcalf can't go forever. Just constantly doing nothing with eight targets a game. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. So, yeah, Bourne is the one that I, I'm leaving out from that group. We also got another one from our friend Joey wants to know Crowder, uh, P- Donovan Peoples-Jones or Josh Reynolds. Uh, one of those three. Um, yes. Uh, sorry, who did I, I'd probably go with Crowder, but I, I don't feel great about it. Uh, Reynolds is in third for me there. I would take it's between people's Jones and Crowder for me. Okay. All right. That, that definitely makes sense. All right. We'll move on over to our next game. We've got Panthers bills, bills, 10 and a half point favorites at home. Obviously they, the bills are in their own little tricky situation. Uh, what is the latest on, on Josh Allen? Obviously seen in the walking boots earlier this week, what was dinged up uh, late in last week's, Pretty impressive comeback bid down in Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I assume based on the line that he's fine. Although I guess it is. I guess you could look at how bad the Panthers are. What a joke Matt Rule is. Uh, how how big of a just a crater they've dug for themselves and their their organization. Committing to Darnold for that guaranteed money another year. Handling things like this. Uh, p- putting Philip Walker in at the end of that first half last week is some mega big time clown conduct like that's 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 some of the most desperate weak crap i've seen from a coach in a long time as far as uh you know being willing to do anything desperately to find a result like come on man you you know this isn't gonna work why are you doing it and also cam didn't do anything wrong like they were it was a close game and they pull him when he had totally decent peripheral numbers uh just because they're ridiculous and uh yeah I, i think rule is completely out of his depth. I don't, I don't know if he can tell up from down right now. I don't know if it would help if he could, but I think Buffalo being a basically solvent team uh, should be able, even if it's Trubisky, I guess I like them to cover 10. Yeah, I, I kind of do as well. Is Matt rule still wearing like the tactical smock? That's what he was wearing at Baylor in the early, in at least year one in Carolina. I haven't physically seen a ton of him this well year. john you know what you know, you want to know what i think what's that I, I think i think maybe matt should go do some finger painting maybe something more like that could be uh within his his, his skill set perhaps there we have it love it go All do right. nap time matt <laughs> i always misbehave during that nap time never wanted a nap moving on Bengals, broncos Interesting little matchup here. The Bengals uh, coming off a couple of tough ones. Now they hit the road, go to Denver. Um, Denver coming off, you know, a a pretty uh, stress-free win over the Lions. Bengals three-point dogs on the road in this one. Yeah, so I guess this could be an ugly game. I don't know how the the Broncos win this unless it's kind of an ugly game, uh, especially on the, the Bengals side. I don't. I can't really think of a way that they lose to the to the Broncos unless it's kind of Joe Burrow throwing picks, which he has done quite a bit this year. I think 
like I know Burrow's doing fine. I don't mean to make it sound like he's been useless this year or something because he's been fine, but I still think he's probably not going to be anywhere near as good this year as next year just because of that knee injury. And uh, yeah, the turnovers are a risk. So maybe that's the way it goes wrong for them going to Denver, going against the Denver pass defense. That's mostly been good this year. It's been giving up some big plays, I guess. And so maybe they are, maybe they need to be careful with Jamar chase, especially, but it seems like their pass defense overall is pretty stingy. And if Burrow's in unfavorable circumstances, I, it seems like he's liable to turn the ball over. But uh, yeah, the other, the other thing is it's like Denver's ground game gives them a certain, um, you know, a floor that's uh, a, a floor and also like a quick way to sort of neutralize the Cincinnati pass rush. Like one way Cincinnati defense can hurt you is, if you're dropping back a lot and then Ogan Joby and Hendrickson and uh, the other guy uh, Hubbard are getting after you a bit. It seems like it's easier to run on them. And I, I don't know what the deal with Logan Thomas and uh, Shadobi Awuzie is, but those are probably their two best defenders otherwise. And if they're out uh, or if they're limited, then yeah, maybe Denver can kind of just go into a shell on offense and sort of just grind out yardage on the ground and take advantage of favorable field positioning. Yeah, that so play playing the the Denver way at least the the of the Teddy Bridgewater Vic Fangio era could, could certainly see things rolling out that way. That Denver ground game is pretty fierce, I think. But both uh, Gordon and Javante Williams are, are definite you know start worthy guys, even if you know they're splitting time a little bit. Even still, um, d- you know you you obviously do the corner matchup uh, article every single week. There's a lot of fantasy relevant receivers in in this one, so in your preliminary kind of cursory glance at this one, are there any receivers who you think might be drawing a, a favorable or completely unfavorable matchup here? Like it, it obviously Cortland, Cortland Sutton hasn't been doing well of late, but is there a, a matchup here that, that, you know, he might get back into the, into the fold here back into fantasy relevance or, you know, does Jerry Judy draw a tough matchup in the slot? Is this a good matchup for T Higgins, J- Jamar chase on the other side, things like that. Um, I, I think Higgins and Chase can both threaten the Denver defense vertically. Like it seems they give up big plays or they don't really give up anything much. So in that underneath an intermediate, it could be a tough matchup in that sense for Higgins and Chase. And at the same time, they might be about as well suited as any receiver to hurt the Broncos the way that they're most realistically hurt. The problem is that requires Burrow to have enough time for them to get that far downfield. And Maybe he won't. Maybe Burrow will only have time to drop back for the receivers to get into intermediate range. And if so, then it's a tough matchup for the uh, the Bengals receivers. Uh, maybe Boyd has the easiest one. I don't. I don't know what how to call that one exactly. I feel. I feel like there's a lot of conditional. There's a lot of conditions that need to be met for Cincinnati's matchup to play out in a way that's favorable for them. Uh, if Chidobia Wuzier is active, you'd think he might shadow Ch- Cortland Sutton. And that's a tough matchup just generally. I saw, I think Sutton could win that, but I think he needs a better quarterback to win it. I think he, he probably just doesn't get the opportunity if only because the ground game should be much more easily utilized. And uh, you, you mentioned Judy. He he might have the easiest matchup here. If, if a Wuzier is on Sutton, then Tim Patrick has a pretty manageable matchup against Eli Apple. But Jerry Judy in the slot against Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton's almost like an, a rover like an undersized linebacker. Like he's not even really there to cover that much. Certainly not a route runner like Judy. No, I, I wouldn't think so either. And uh, you know, you, usually we're, we're going kind of fast paced through this. 
but check out more of Mario's, um, you know, cornerback receiver analysis on the XM show. If you have XM, tune in on the Fantasy Channel on Fridays and Saturdays. I miss that. I used to be the host of that one. Uh, that that kind of <laughs> took me back in in time there. Here here in the um, the analysis on the corner receiver matchups. Really good stuff, man. Uh, let's get on over. Uh, before we get to our next game, we'll go Falcons Niners. We do have a question from our friend Big Goo. What's up, guys? I'm having a hard time picking between Fryermuth and Gesicki. Fair. Uh, yeah, that's a good problem to have. Um, Must be a Penn State fan, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I'd go Gesicki just because he might basically play wide receiver. If, especially if Waddle is out, especially, then I go Gesicki. I guess it's yeah. close if Waddle's in, but with Waddle out, I don't think it is for me, really. Yeah, I think that there's just more mouths to feed in, in Pittsburgh. You know, you got Deontay Johnson, Claypool, depending on, on how much he's in the doghouse after last week's totally overblown thing. 15 targets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Harris always. Um, so I think even still, I think Gasicki is lined up to have a ton of targets this weekend. We we do have, for the record, Gasicki at five and Frymuth at seven. So you're probably not going wrong either way. Um, but but go with Gasicki. That, that is the John and Mario stamp. Of approval, and again, before we get to the Niners Falcons, uh, a message from our friends over at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guaranteed contests every week of this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription: first, visit RotoWire.com/thrive. Second, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And then third, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Easy as that. So again, head on over to rotowire.com slash thrive. All right, Niners, Falcons, hit me. What's going on here? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Matt Ryan has one of his functional games, and if he does, I guess – Gage or Pitts could do something. If not, I guess it's just Corderell versus, uh, you know, the world again. And uh, sometimes he wins that. Maybe, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't here. I don't know. But generally, I, f- I feel like this should be a pretty comfortable win for the 49ers. If it is for some reason close, it might have gone like really wrong. And and maybe maybe it can't be close without them being in serious risk. Uh, and by close, I mean anything less than uh, like like one score. I don't know why the 49ers wouldn't be able to win by like at least eight in this game. Uh, the Niners kind of bad at home because they play in Silicon Valley with no real home field advantage. But that that's a, that's about the only like <laughs> they play in a cursed land. Um, they do. Yeah. They they actually kind of do. You, you check the pulse of Niners Nation. They they absolutely do not love that. Um, would you start Jimmy G over Tua this week? Uh, I wouldn't feel the need. Like I, I wouldn't feel driven in either direction, but I, I probably would go Garoppolo, I guess. Okay. All right. That, that's just, it is, you know, they're, they're close to each other right on the fringe of being QB one status in our rankings. It might be a, a, a quarterback setup for some teams this weekend so good good to get some clarity there let's get on over to packers ravens packers four and a half point favorites on the road here going to the big crab cake in baltimore lamar jackson obviously the the big storyline here with with his 
ankle sprain. They, they say it's not a high ankle sprain, but still, you know, card off the field last week. Tyler Huntley takes over and, you know, puts up a, a pretty valiant effort against the Browns on the road in that one, his second real um, time, seeing significant playing time in just the last few weeks. But provided that uh, if Lamar Jackson is out here, I don't see the Ravens really standing a chance. Yeah, although, John, I was wondering, did you look closely enough at that game? I haven't rewatched it, so I haven't been able to to look closely enough at this. Am I crazy, or did the Ravens seem to call shorter pass routes after Lamar Jackson's injury? Like, I feel like Tyler Huntley had a bunch of, uh, it looked like we were watching, like, the old, that old Fresno State offense or something. Like, it's a lot of spread out and a lot of quick hitting passes that yeah. I feel like they never call with Lamar Jackson. Like, I feel like every time Lamar is out there, every route's going at least eight yards and more often 12 to 15. And you saw almost an inversion of that. I feel like with Huntley out there, which makes sense. Like Huntley can't throw downfield the few times right. that he tried. It would look really ugly, but it's like, yes. just call those plays with Lamar a little bit too. call anything different once in a while. See how easy like Huntley looked good just because it was like a different looking offense and the defense wasn't sitting every single spot that the routes were being run. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, in any case, the, the Packers defense is coming on pretty good. Um, with their offense reasonably well stocked right now, even with the offensive line, I guess left tackle and right tackle had some issues last week with Turner getting hurt. Other than that, they're, they're pretty close to full strength. And I, I just can't take Baltimore that seriously, even if Lamar Jackson is healthy, to be honest. Uh, the, I think the Packers would need to have this like a repeat special teams performance for this one to, to even. Yeah. they need to give up like 180 <laughs> yards after the catch to yeah. the backup slot receivers. Two of them. <laughs> Where's Jakeem Grant when you need him? I yeah, or Demir bird. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that game was funky. That was a, that was a fun way to, yeah, to yeah, end it was the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday slate. Okay. Got a couple more here before we run Seahawks Rams. Um, Seahawks showing a little bit of, a, of life of late in the Rams, really impressive performance, maybe the performance of the week in week 14, going into Arizona on Monday night and coming out with the victory Rams four point favorites Man. in this one, obviously Odell Beckham, uh, was placed on the COVID list earlier this week. I believe that that theoretically should elevate a guy like Van Jefferson in your fantasy ranks. And obviously Cooper cup, pretty much a lock top three guy, um, every single week. Um, anything else from this Rams offense that we need to be paying attention to Darrell Henderson and otherwise. Do we know is, is Beckham just out or is he in that one thing where if he tests twice negative, I can't say I'm not entirely certain. Okay. Uh, but- so um, I guess uh, we'll see on that. It, it, if Beckham's out, that does change quite a bit because he really was kind of hitting his stride there. Yes. Uh, like that game was, was very clean in particular. I guess that one play was the, the big chunk gain was kind of schemed open for him, but still it's, you know, it's a step. But once, once he starts getting the schemed plays working, he can, he can start working on the timing ones a little more. And uh, in any case, they get a lot slower as a team. Like if you're taking Beckham off the field, you're either putting Ben Skowronek, who they seem to keep just because he's a blocker and, uh, or you're putting, putting Bryson Hopkins out there or something. So that's getting pretty sketchy right there, especially if you don't have Daryl Henderson healthy to take advantage of these, uh, the Seattle run defense that's maybe not so great. So I guess I understand why the line took uh, went quite a bit closer, like opening at seven down to four and a half. I guess the Beckham news could, could inform that. But in the meantime, John, 71%, according to covers.com, 71% of the volume is on the Rams. 
and yet the spread dropping two and a half points at the very that's like one of the bigger outsized bets on the you know the the Seahawks in this case that I can remember as far as a uh, you know the, the sub thirty percent public volume and still causing the spread to go the opposite direction. It's got to be big money on the Seahawks right. covering. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Seahawks kind of gambling brain in action. Yeah, I think I think Seahawks kind of suck still. I, I don't really I do believe too. in them. So maybe they make it close, but I, I think if they make it close, it's like a backdoor cover or just neither team scores many points kind of thing. Yeah, because I mean, last week, I mean, the Rams hadn't been looking good in quite a while. So that, you know, I, I still think they're a very good team, but it, we haven't seen them string together impressive performances since feels they're like thin. They're thin on right. offense. They don't have any. No one can catch passes after Jefferson. Scourneck is not a real receiver. The other receivers they have active are not real receivers. Their backup tight ends are Blanton, a blocker, and Brees and Hopkins, who apparently can't play. So they're putting a lot on Michelle Cooper Cup, especially in Van Jefferson. If it doesn't all go, it it might not go at all. Yeah, so tricky, tricky spot there. And then um, I would be remiss if I did not give you the opportunity to. Do a little victory lap, small one, Rashad Penny. Oh, I mean, I can't even really because I th- I thought <laughs> he was injured and kind of like busted at this point. But yeah, San Diego State, Rashad Penny, uh, Rashad Penny from his first two years in Seattle, and apparently last week, all of a sudden, uh, that's a good player. I don't I don't think that there was ever any real reason to be confused about that. He got that unfair kind of like public reception of he he was a hyped rookie, you know, and people mm-hmm. people were like in cases like that, if the player doesn't break out, they, they get really irrationally angry. Yeah, It's like the, the toy guy. story gif. I'm done playing with you. Well, that, and like, I'm blaming as the toy is falling. I'm clarifying, like I'm blaming you for all the problems in my life. And I'm never going to forget about this for years. I will complain <laughs> about you. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I thought Rashad Penny was just hurt so often. I thought his knee was busted, but if it's not, he is a 225 pound running back who is very fast. And I know that's another thing people hate about him is he's big, but he doesn't run with power. It's like, who cares? He's still fast. Just give him the, give him the ball. Just watch him run fast for faster than other people. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated. All right. We got two games here. So we'll just get, give quick little blurbs on each saints going to Tampa Bay to face the bucks. Uh, Bucks 10 and a half point favorites in this one bucks at home, much better than them on the road. Um, what do you see here? I was worried about the Buccaneers getting upset by the saints the first time around this time Mm -hmm. Buccaneers by like 17. Yeah, this, this, I I feel like is going to be a a little revenge slash uh, statement from the Bucks and being at home uh, even more so. Uh, And then rounding it out Vikings at the bears. Uh, Vikings three and a half point favorites on the road. Yeah, it looks like the weather should be pretty manageable uh, given the time of the year, the location and all the crazy weather in the Midwest everywhere. I guess the the weather's been really crazy. Um, As long as you don't get that classic Chicago weather, then Justin Jefferson should be mostly himself. Kirk Cousins, I know he's bad in prime time, but maybe he can mostly be himself. And if he's that, that's that should be enough. And uh, I I I don't know what to make of fields on the other side. Like, I don't know how the Vikings are creating pass rush pressure with Hunter out with the other guys that they've had missing, uh, but they've been doing it all year. So this could be a tough spot for fields, even though he's at home and even though the Vikings corners are not especially good. Right. So it, I, I like the Vikings in this one, even, even if uh, 
you know, Kirk Cousins on on the road can be a little dicey, and the Vikings themselves fine. just just get themselves into sticky situations uh, seemingly every week. But that's gonna wrap things up. Look at us. We got through all 16 games in under an hour. Pretty good. Uh, but that's going to wrap things up for us here at the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thank you again for listening. And again, this podcast presented to you by our friends over at WinBet. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.